This is Prairie Rome Companion, episode 78, recorded November 16th, 2011. Love for Jesus and His Church, the passion of our lives. Welcome to This Week in Prairie Rome Companion. I am Chris Bergwald. And I am Father Andrew Dickinson. And uh, weather? Check, Father? <laughs> weather or not what? <laughs> so there's snow in the forecast here in uh, Berkeley. Yes, Expecting a low pressure system to be moving in from the <laughs> sweeping in from the left side of your stereos and over to the right side of your headphones. Oh boy, yeah, it's cold here. Uh, the end. That's, I don't know. It's not cold. It's like twenty nine. Wow. That's not cold. It's, it's. I didn't say it was frigid. It's cold, but it's below freezing. It's legitimately cold. For you listeners in Australia who are entering into summer, um, we God hate bless you. you. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> no, no. Wait. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> Father, um, how you doing? I only today? hate sin. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, we are uh, quickly approaching Lent. We're quickly approaching the inst- the uh, implementation of the new did translation. You say Lent? I mean, we are quickly approaching I, Lent. I did but... say it Lent, yes. Because, did you mean you know, Lent? Little Lent, like the Orthodox and Byzantine referred to? Was, well, you know, I mean, you know, quickly. Are you becoming I mean, Orthodox? Next, next spring is coming. Are you forsaking the Holy no, Father? I, did I say, what? Did Bishop Swine know about this? Uh, what? Who? Advent is coming quickly. <laughs> Just remember, we have this on record. And uh, um, the implementation of the new missile is coming along with Woo-hoo! it. I have my missile. That's from M-I-S-S-A-L for anyone from the Homeland Security uh, Department that might be listening to our podcast. <laughs> Flagged. M-I-S-S-A-L. Flagged. A-L. Flagged. Flagged. Who are those men in the black suits? Oh. <gasps> uh, um, from what publisher, Father? A Magnificat. Yay! Shout out. Well, the one I wanted was the one oh, no, no. I was able to afford. <laughs> those, oh. Just, hmm? Yay! Whoop, whoop. Um, but we're not going to talk about the new missile or the peacekeeper. I kind of feel like a kid on Christmas morning. I know. I love it. It's awesome. When it came in, I was like looking at it and flipping through it and showing it to everyone. And my students were all kind of like, okay, father. Yeah. Catholic geek out moment. That's what I call it. When I did the same thing. Did you get the, uh, chapel edition or the altar edition? Uh, it's big. Big, probably the altar then. Gonna need a bigger cool. boat. I we're gonna need a bigger boat. Uh, we're gonna need a bigger altar. Um, but we're not gonna talk about either of those things. Maybe next week, Father, we might talk about Advent, since next week will be the last podcast before Advent. Since next week could be the Advent of Advent. It would indeed. Yeah, the Advent of Advent. But instead yeah. of talking about that, again, we're recording on Wednesday, uh, November 16th. And today, the U.S. Bishops Conference, so 300-some bishops from around the country, um, all the bishops of the Catholic Church uh, in the United States, gather together in Baltimore every fall for their semi-annual meeting. Um, and Archbishop Timothy Dolan is the president of the conference. And uh, as the president, he gives sort of the... Uh, quote-unquote, State of the Church address um, as the president of the Bishop's Conference every fall. Um, and Father and I both had a chance to read it, and we thought we'd talk about it, uh, and, and then just talk more, a little bit more generally about the theme. So Father, I, I love the, he starts off with this quote from the Holy Father as his theme, from, from Blessed John Paul II. Love for Jesus and his church must be the passion of our lives. And I think maybe one way to nutshell the whole 
the whole address is um, the new evangelization that 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 you know Bishop Dolan is saying we as bishops need to remember. You know, there's an image he uses. We're not just shepherds; we're fishermen. And he says at one point, maybe instead of uh, carrying around crozers, we need to carry around fishing poles. So the, just the reality, it's not about maintaining the structure of the church. It's about bringing other people into love with Jesus Christ in his church. Um, well, I, I, the thing I, he's, he's giving this speech, he doesn't really give much of the context. He gives a little bit. I think much of the context of this is just, I think, the growing clarity and realization on uh, the health uh, of the church in the United States and the way that we, and health, of course, he measured uh, not just in terms of numbers, but in fidelity uh, and how those members of the church are living in fidelity to Jesus Christ. And so I think with this rising concern for new evangelization in the church, especially at large, is this, um, you know, the little pebble uh, that uh, Blessed John Paul II uh, maybe first cast back in the 1990s, is now growing up into a very large avalanche uh, in the life of the church. And so he's, he, he's casting this and preparing us for a more active, I think, engagement of that idea of new evangelization. Yeah, I, I think that um, it, one way I, that, that I've been looking at this is, is Pope Benedict has sort of been taking that, that um, the idea the conception of the new evangelization and building it into the day-to-day structure of the church, in a sense. I mean, with the, with the establishment of the Pontifical Con- Council for the promotion of the new evangelization, that's certainly one way. But just emphasizing to his brother bishops, it were, you know, so JP2, I think, sort of threw it. He did more than throw it out there. He talked a lot about it. But it seems that somehow structurally Benedict is is trying to make it even more so the lifeblood of the church in our era. What do you think about that? Uh, I think very much so. I mean, we talked about that a few weeks ago as we addressed his uh, year of faith that he's uh, promoting and pronounced for the life of the church starting next October. Um, and I think in, in, uh, all along in many of his things, he's always had kind of a twofold mission going on, an internal mission and an external mission for the church, the internal mission of renewal and growth and the external mission of, uh, of inviting others to experience the same joy of Christian life that we have. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, v- very well put. Um, so, so I think what we see here in, in um, well, what do you think, Father? Would, would you, this address, who, who would you give? I was thinking when I read this uh, address from Archbishop Dolan, um, I was thinking of people who I'd share it with. Hmm. What's, the, what's the sort of person, you know, first I was thinking I'd share it on, you know, with the world, quote unquote, you know, Google Plus trying to get it out there. But I think, you know, I don't know if this is really something that just the average person um, would really it, 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 it click with at all. Without the context, as you were just talking about, I don't know how much it makes sense. Even with the context, I don't know. Um, so I was thinking, well, maybe maybe getting you know people like you or I who are already on board, but as you know, we're excited about the address and and uh, really enjoyed it for lack of a better word maybe some others like that what do you think who would you what kind of person would you share this with well i i have a deanery meeting on went on friday of this week i'm thinking of actually sharing that uh with my deanery brothers um and uh what, father real quick what's a de- what's a deanery and who are deanery you deanery is a uh smaller uh locality within the diocese 
Uh, it's a way for the bishop to kind of manage things and organize things, because dioceses are rather large. And so it's just a way for uh, the priests in that area to get together and to voice their concerns and so that they can be brought uh, to bishop uh, to the bishop a little uh, easier. Okay. So you make sure. Okay. So thank, thank you. So you might share it with them. Yes. Okay. And also, I think I, I also was thinking about just talking about Portofide as well. Yeah. With them. Okay. Um. What was the other? So so yeah, it's because it's an excellent address. But he, so he talks about what he talks about here in uh, is really parallels coincides with something that I've been doing this fall for the um, Bishop Martin Marty Institute for the New Evangelization. The theme for the fall presentations has been the Catholic Church doesn't matter. Um, and and one thing in, in the introductory presentation that I that I talk about is something that um, Archbishop Dolan speaks about, looking to the experience of Saint Paul on his road to Damascus. Saint Paul persecuting the the, the first Christians um, from his mind, Jewish heretics who are following a false Messiah, and he's persecuting them. And of course, he's on the way to Damascus, gets struck to the ground, and hears this voice: "Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me?" Who are you, Lord, that I am persecuting you? I am Jesus of Nazareth. And, you know, we read that, but the, the, the fascinating thing is, of course, Saul is not literally persecuting Christ. Christ is ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of, of the Father. But insofar as Saul is persecuting the church, the followers of Christ, he is persecuting Jesus himself. So there's some form of close identification between uh, the church and Jesus. And I think that today, Father, it seems like a lot of people see the church as this thing that Frankly, often more often than not, gets in the way of my relationship with Christ, but that's that's simply not the case. Well, that superficially that can be the case because of the sinners in the church um, and other reasons. The fact of the matter is, it's in the church that we encounter Jesus Christ, because the church is the body of Christ. Very much so, and it's the, it's it's the beauty of the mystery of the church in that sense. Um, of how we, um, you know, since we don't, uh, it's it sometimes hard to see Jesus in that way, but that's the way that he chooses. You think about uh, his distressing disguise in Bethlehem, in Nazareth, in Judea, and it wasn't obvious that he was the Son of God. Um, but yet it's, I think it's very beautiful in that same regard, in the way that he, um, he, he builds himself and he, he presents himself in that way. Right, that that he's not necessarily how you know he doesn't reveal us himself to us in a in a um, you know a vision. In most cases, he reveals us to him in the body of the community of his disciples, his body, the church. There's a quote that um, Archbishop Dolan uses from the great 20th century theologian Henri de Lubac, um, and de Lubac wrote at one point about the church and about Jesus. He said. For what would I ever know of him, that is Christ, for what would I ever know of him without her, that is the church? Uh, because it's in the church that we learn about Christ. It's from, you know, St. Paul speaks in, in Romans chapter 10. Ooh, Bible, theologian, <laughs> quoting scripture. Um, but St. Paul speaks about how, you know, how can we believe if we have not heard? How can we hear if no one has been preached? How can, we, how can somebody preach if they have not been sent? We never proclaim the gospel to ourselves as an individual or as a, as a community. We always receive the gospel from another, someone who has been sent. We always receive the gospel 
from the community of disciples, that is the church, those who are already joined to Christ. And that's, that's one reason why we refer to the church as, as our mother, because she nourishes us, she gives us the gospel, the good news of salvation of her bride, of her, of her head, of her bridegroom, sorry. And it's, the idea of the mother is very beautiful in that way and very real, very earthy, because we want to, you know, we have our mother here on earth, our earthly mother, um, who, you know, we didn't pick in some ways. And so right. maybe there are things in the church or people in the church that we don't like or we don't appreciate, but she's still our mother. There might be aspects, habits of our mom that we don't like, but we still need to be grateful to her because it is from her that we have life. Right. Now, I'm just I'm skipping to near the end of Archbishop Dolan's um, address, but it's very apropos to what you were just saying. He refers to uh, a church, American church historian, Monsignor John Tracy Ellis, and Archbishop Dolan said, as, as Monsignor Ellis used to introduce his courses on church history, ladies and gentlemen, be prepared to discover that the mystical body of Christ has a lot of warts. Uh, so just the reality, exactly that, you know, the the members of the church certainly are not perfect. The church, as in the, insofar as she is the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, um, the people of God is perfect, but because of our sins, there's that sort of dual reality to her, dual aspect to her. Right, and he, uh, uh, he, he touches on this quite a bit and using quite other different examples and quotes. The Dorothy Day quote, uh, the church is the radiant bride of Christ, but her members at times act more like the scarlet woman of Babylon. Indeed. But he wants to go on with his notion. Uh, he says, you know, this is the one doctrine on church teaching that society bows its head in genuflex. <laughs> Not just bows its head in genuflex, but does so with crusading devotion, like with great right. zeal. You know, the church is sinful. Um, but sometimes they also don't talk about how the church is the bride of Christ, their church is holy. But I, I think in this, it's interesting. He, he, he At one point, it seems like he stops short in this because i think part of the call for us is we recognize our own sinfulness our own weakness sinfulness and weakness of the church i am the church you are the church mm -hmm. i am the sin of the church you are you are the sin of the church mm -hmm. um you know he, he at one point he talks about uh you know, who's to blame for people getting mad or leaving the church you know the bishops are <laughs> he's right. saying that internally to them but he it's like he just stops short of saying we need to do something maybe more publicly or more more consistently of doing some of that penance, that recognition of the fact that have mercy on us, O Lord, for we have sinned. Um, and I thought it was interesting, you know, is he, is he working up to that? And on some of his blog posts, uh, Archbishop Dolan on his blog, Gospel in the Digital Age, um, has talked about his admiration for some of the public acts of right. um, piety and penance in the past, like uh, Meatless Fridays, and his admiration uh, for the church in England, which has restored the uh, mandatory practice of meatless Fridays. Mm -hmm. So do you think, now, it, so penance as the the context you're talking about, you know, you and I are both the sinners of the church. So you mean on the part of the entire church? Or because in this context, it seems to be focused more on, um, frankly, the ordained, I mean, particularly the bishops. But are you, do you think he's leading up to, or, or you would have liked to see, some um, reference to the penance on the part of the entire church. Um, well, I, I, I think it'd be good to start with himself and with the other bishops personally. Gotcha. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, there's this other passage, Father, from early on, a few paragraphs down that really struck me. 
Perhaps, brethren, our most pressing pastoral challenge today is to reclaim that truth, to restore the luster, the credibility, the beauty of the church ever ancient, ever new, renewing her as the face of Jesus, just as he is the face of God. Maybe our most urgent pastoral priority is to lead our people to see, meet, hear, and embrace a new Jesus in and through his church. And he goes on to talk about, uh, in other contexts, but related to that theme, you know, it's not about programs, it's not about structure. Those things are important, and they have, a, they have a valuable role to play, but it's about becoming saints. It's about renewal. It's about sanctification, conversion, evangelization, catechesis. Um, and and uh, speaking for myself, for those of us who work uh, professionally or because of our state in life, um, in and for the church, I think sometimes we can, you know, I'm just looking for the perfect program for that magic pill that's just going to make everything better. And it doesn't exist other than the path of sanctification, of ongoing conversion. Right. And I think that's that's precisely kind of the, the, the tension involved in that regard um, in the life of the church is that we want maybe that easy, and maybe that's the voice of just my own sinfulness, my own weakness, that we want, you know, well, I just want to be able to grasp something. And I think it's in certain sense to call to mind that uh, – I, as a priest, we, as the church, have to repent. It makes us vulnerable, mm. right? Right, right, right. You know, because then we're vulnerable and open. So you're repenting, so you mean you did something wrong. You mean you did something wrong in the crisis of abuse. You mean you did something wrong in the way you handled this situation. You mean right. you did something wrong. And which means we're, we might face the abuse of those who won't, um, who won't receive our... Um, who won't, who won't receive our uh, uh, trying to figure out the right way? Who won't receive our uh, uh, repentance with charity and with love, but will receive it with um, some sort of glee and desire yeah. to cause us to suffer? Right, Schadenfreude or whatever you call it. Yeah. Um, Father, anything else? I, I think there was a passage uh, just after the one that I quoted that you, Father Rollheiser's reference that you particularly. That was a good mm -hmm. quote. Uh, you want me to quote, bring that quote, or yeah, well, yeah, yeah. So I think, well, and part of our fear is that when we admit things are wrong, I think internally in the church, and I'm assuming in some sense, you know, people listen to this podcast, we're all in some way a little internal to the church. Might be some seekers out there, welcome. But uh, you know, for those of you internal to the church, a little bit kind of living the ecclesial life, interested in the church life, and being more deliberate in the Catholic life, um, there's a quote from Father Ronald Rollheiser, uh, in which he talks about you know we live in whether we're living in a post-ecclesial area, era, post-ecclesial, uh, an era after churches, where people would prefer a king but not a kingdom, a shepherd with no flock, to believe without belonging. A spiritual family with God is my father as long as I'm an only child. Spirituality, quote-unquote, without religion. Faith without the faithful. Christ without his church. And I, I, so I think sometimes maybe I can have a tendency to want to downplay or maybe not acknowledge as much uh, the need for penance and repentance of sins because sometimes I fear that um, that reaction might be fed. At the same time, I know, though, that when genuine repentance is found, that's the only cure for those who are dissatisfied with the church is genuine, actual repentance. Right, right. 
right after so talking about after the Rohazer quote, the context there. Um, I well, just the quote itself, even, but the, just the, the going. It's so American. You know, I, I, I'll do it my way with Frank Sinatra. You know, that, that I don't need the church to tell me what I, to believe. I can just read the Bible or whatever. But again, we, we can't do it ourselves. Salvation is, there's no self-help book for salvation. We receive everything from Christ through his body, the church. And it seems, you know, that's a particularly American obstacle um, to the idea that that I must belong to a community in order in order to receive something good and in fact something necessary that I can't accomplish it or achieve it myself, but it has to come from somebody else. It's, it seems like that's something that we really have a hard time because we're such a a can-do, um, rugged individualism sort of culture. What do you think? Very much so. And I mean, uh, because we, we prize freedom and independence very highly. And I think that that prizing gets heightened all the more when we're hurt by those to whom we feel like we, or we are told we need to be with. And so when we're hurt by someone we're told we need to be with, then we all the more truculent that we don't want to be with them. Right, right. There's another, um, a little bit further on from the um, quote from Father Rollheiser, um, Archbishop, Archbishop Dolan says, we resist the temptation to approach the church as merely a system of organizational energy and support that requires maintenance. And then he refers to the Holy Father's visit to Germany where he, uh, Pope Benedict makes the, you know, a lot of people see the church as just another um, organization, um, another um, club, so to speak, within society, when she is much more than that. But that, that's certainly true, that when you look at the, the church from the outside, it looks like, frankly, a very antiquated, medieval with scare quotes, uh, medieval organization, um, but you have to go inside her to see her beauty. You know, P uh, Pope Benedict, and then in turn, Bishop Swain has used this analogy with regard to cathedrals, or how a church with beautiful stained glass is very much like the, the, the church as the body of Christ. That is, from the outside, the stained glass does not look at all beautiful. It's dark. But when you go inside and the light shines through from the outside, when you are inside, you see the beauty. Uh, and so that, you know, sort of maybe to use another analogy, it's like the TARDIS from Doctor Who. It looks very small on the outside, but when you go inside, that's a pretty darn big place. Exactly. Well, I, of course, that, uh, that quote from uh, His, uh, His Holiness, Pope Benedict, first used when he was at St. Patrick's Cathedral yep. in New York. Yep, yep. Um, although Dolan was not yet the archbishop there at the time. Um, but I think the other interesting thing with that, with that idea is, as he goes through on these plans and these points about this internal and, and this movement of making sure the church is not just an institution, not just maintaining uh, the status quo, he's actually uh, expressing something that, you're, that, I'm here, that, that you can hear both in what one might call a liberal stream and a conservative stream of Catholic commentary, and where there's uh, some confluence. Uh, both George Weigel, uh, in a recent piece of his called Benedict in the West, uh, recent in the past couple months, and John Allen, uh, who's maybe more on the more, what I'm going to call, liberal side of the stream uh, for the National Catholic Reporter, both talk about a change from a Tridentine church to an evangelical church. Uh, not in the sense of, like, your megachurch, you know, Foursquare, Corner Gospel, Celebrate Church, or whatever the big megachurch might be in your town, if you have those. 
but evangelical in the sense of that outreaching, that purifying, seeking to be true to the gospel, evangelical in terms of evangelium, uh, the Greek word for gospel, good news, um, and uh, th that need to be conformed to the good news and to be that place where Jesus Christ is seen. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was just very interesting to see that kind of confluence as he goes through in these two points, because uh, you're at, uh, at that point where he talks about the two different points for uh, um, uh, uh, for the bishops, right? The right. temptation to approach church as a system of organizational energy. So he's talking about we, we resist, and they're called to resist that. Right, uh, right. There's that, I had, I had referred to this passage before, but I wanted to get it exactly. Shortly after that, he says, Our urgent task to reclaim love of Jesus in his church as the passion of our lives summons us not into ourselves, but to our Lord. So again, to the point you're just making, it's, not in, it's, it's about proclaiming the gospel, not sort of the navel gazing. Um, summons not to, into ourselves, but to our Lord. Jesus prefers prophets, not programs. Saints, not solutions. Conversion of hearts, not calls to action. Prayer, not protests. Verbum Dei, the word of God. Verbum Dei, rather than our verbiage. Uh, at, 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 I mean, amen, Brother Bishop. I, I, I completely, again, I think it's a temptation that for those of us who work in for the church in a close way is very real, but he's, you know, he's exactly, conversion of hearts, not calls to action. Prayer, not protests. You know, it's, it's easy to, in, and I see this all, I see it myself, I see other people who are in the church or close to the church, um, whenever there are obstacles or problems, we start pointing fingers, you, you know, your father or bishop or sister, or da, 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 da. you know, we got to look at our, we have to convert ourselves. Well, I think uh, another thing with that is um, in that call to conversion too, so I think there's two, there's two dynamics. One is, oh, everyone else. But also, as you said, first, the navel-gazing, um, wherein you uh, get overly focused upon your sins, your failures, your disasters, and that becomes the sole focus, uh, the sole emphasis of, uh, of where your energy and your effort go. So I guess I'm horrible. I guess I'm uh, this or that or the other thing. And so um, uh, to, to fight against that kind of temptation to a despair as well. Right. Absolutely. Uh, anything else that really struck you in a particular way, Father, about the address? Yes. Uh, the incredibly poetic image that he ends with uh, is kind of last analogy from St. Gregory the Great. Okay. Um, <clears throat> says, uh, St. Gregory the Great, who was a pope around 1,500 years ago, says, The church is fittingly pictured as dawn. Right? The dawn from on high. Dawn only hints that night is over. It does not reveal the full radiance of day. While it indeed dispels the darkness and welcomes the light, it prevents both of them, and so does the church. And so I think, you know, that right now, again, that invitation, that reality of the church as that mixture, and so I think the call to purify, to receive the light of Christ all the more, you know, in a sense, kind of mind the baptism uh, that we received, and how we were enlightened by Christ, and how our parents and godparents were given that baptismal candle to be burning brightly. Um, and again, calling to mind the gospel image as well, that um, a lamp is, uh, you don't, one does not light a lamp and then hide it under a bushel. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, the, the day must increase. And the sad reality is, you know, we can't 
um, reverse the direction of the sun, but insofar as we allow sin to reign in our bodies, the darkness, we can go back to the night, but we're called to always, again, beginning with ourselves, to bring the light of the noon time, the noon part of the day, ever closer. Very much so. All right. Well, uh, I don't think there's anything else that I... Uh, it's just an excellent address. You can find it online. Archbishop Dolan has a blog. Um, I think ArchNY for Archdiocese in New York. ArchNY.org. Just do a Google search for Archbishop Timothy Dolan. And uh, he's got a blog. And you'll find his, um, th this address, which he gave on Monday, November 14th. Uh, it's, it's, for those of you who are listening to this, most likely you, you would find it's, it interesting. Uh, his web address is blog, B-L-O-G dot archny, A-R-C-H-N-Y dot O-R-G. There you go. All right, Father, uh, you want to dismiss us? What if I say no? Then I will. Okay. <laughs> but I want you to, because you're the priest. <laughs> we can do this again. Well, thank you very much for listening to us here on the Prayer Room Companion, putting up with our silly shenanigans. Again, Amen. if you have any questions or uh, concerns or suggestions, uh, do send them to Dr. Chris Bergwald's attention, C. Bergwald, C-B-U-R-G-W-A-L-D, at sfcatholic.org. And uh, once again, keep, uh, uh, keep the faith and share it if you can. <laughs>